Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, well, we have a full episode for you today with lots to talk about. Matthias and I are going to do our mental health check-ins. We're going to do our two thumbs up, which you guys asked us to do. So we have some good recommendations for you today. We're going to take a listener question about how much should we disclose to our teens about the stupid stuff we did in our own teen years. Um, We're going to hear from a listener um, in our What I Want You to Know series about what it was like delivering a child with some major health issues. And our psychology and pop culture segment today is asking the question, are these active shooter drills that they have our kids doing at school helping minimize impact or are they just traumatic and potentially normalizing? Anyway, let's start with Matthias. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right this week. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, Let's see. Mental health wise, you know, something that I have been dealing with right now is customer service fatigue. Mm. Now, this is peak first world problems, right? (laughs) But like, I've just been in one of those months where I feel like I'm being ripped off by a number of companies. Yeah. Um, one is, and I whined about this on Twitter as one does, but I changed my cell phone plan, um, totally got like hooked in by the whole, like, we'll give you a free phone deal. Mm-hmm. So switched from T-Mobile to Verizon, um, what they promised and what is on my bill is completely different. I've been in <sighs> phone call after phone call. I mean, yada, 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 but just like annoying and frustrating and time consuming And then we ordered a garage door from Home Depot. We ordered it in February. It was just delivered and it is not like what we ordered. So, you know, little things like this. We booked a hotel room in San Francisco that was supposed to have an airport shuttle. We arrived to the airport. Surprise, we don't have an airport shuttle. But here's the thing. The common thread in all of these situations is knowing that line between advocating for yourself and what you've paid for in your hard-earned mm. dollars and being a Karen. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I feel like the whole Karen phenomenon, which is started with, you know, in my perception, privileged white women complaining about things that were inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Somebody's selling water outside their apartment building. Someone's playing music too loud at a pool. Right. That was the Karen thing. But now it feels like it's grown into this thing where anytime a woman is upset, you're a Karen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially middle-aged women. Sure. And so I just – then I feel insecure when I advocate for myself. Totally. It's weird. Right. I mean, 
Yes. I mean, that's, that's so interesting. I hadn't... <laughs> This is probably the patriarchy. I hadn't really thought about that before. <laughs> really, Matthias, really. Your white male privilege hadn't thought about. No, I'm just kidding. But no, no I mean, it is true, a weird though. phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I imagine, I mean, you can tell me whether this is true. Because in some ways, I feel parts of this in myself. Like that advocating for yourself, but also the, the constant tone policing that you're doing of your own self. Like what, yes. What is too much? Yes. What is not enough? <laughs> that's a, yes. I mean, that's a hard one. Yes. But yeah, I mean, all those places. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is my struggle. And I, like with the Verizon thing, I made a commitment to myself. I'm going to be nice no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'm so frustrated. I have 100% I've been bamboos- bamboozled, like on paper. Yeah. <laughs> I've been bamboozled. Yeah. But I'm going to be nice to the people that I'm on the phone with because they are not the people who've set up the structure, right? Mm-hmm. They're the people who've been hired to deal with the people upset by the structure. I think another issue for me too is I grew up with both a mother – and a grandfather, I remember specifically my grandfather doing this, that will yell at service people for things that they can't control. Right. Yeah. Like, I totally remember my grandfather yelling at grocery store check- checkers about the price of groceries. Mm-hmm. As if these people, who are probably being paid minimum wage, have anything to do with the price of milk. Right. So... Just, I mean... <laughs> Here's my question, Kristen. Do you feel like like this whole idea of customer service, especially like online or phone-based customer service, has gotten worse in COVID? Again, not to like not blaming the people who are doing it, but I feel like every yeah. single place I call yes. is like we're experiencing higher than normal call volumes. Yes. You will be on the phone for three hours now. Like like it feels like I mean, yes. I don't know what I don't know what's true or not. <laughs> No. And it's like, I also, that's a good question too, because then I also want, sometimes feel like companies are using it as an excuse. I'll give you another example. I rented a car from Hertz. Yeah. Um, Memorial Day weekend in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Show up. We, we've reserved it. Show up. There's no cars. None whatsoever. <sighs> and I'm just told like, too bad, so sad. But I'm starting to see on Twitter other people talking about how this is happening to them for the last six months. Like this happened to me in the spring. We're now into December. And people are still talking about how this is happening. And, you know, their excuse is, well, we have car shortages because of the pandemic. But here's the thing. This is a multi-million dollar company. I think it's actually a billion dollar company that has the tracking abilities to see how many cars they have and only rent the amount of cars they have. Right. So Right. You know, right? Like you know how many cars, and you only rent. You like what you're doing is overselling, and then screwing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I yeah. did complain about this on Twitter and had a woman yell at me because it's a pandemic, and why should I expect everything to run the same? And I don't. I totally get they have less cars, but then the result should be that I didn't get a reservation for a car. Right. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, and even talking about this feels very privileged, but I feel this like low grade frustration with all of these things that are just like companies behaving badly, I guess, Mm -hmm. at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. Yeah. I mean, that feels 
that feels true to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, it just feels like, yeah, that, that idea of using the pandemic as an excuse. I mean, fully acknowledging that, yes, the pandemic has affected things. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the complexities. Right. Certainly don't know the complexities of what it's. But, like, for, you know, <laughs> just calling customer service on the phone. I mean... Are we all calling customer service that much more during the pandemic? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah, I yeah. don't think so. I mean, I yeah. think a lot of it, too, is just companies, you know, undermining their bottom line. I think it's a lot of companies, you know, when you call customer service, it's very rare you're going to be speaking to someone in your same country. Right. Um, which is fine, except that it does indicate that that company is not willing to pay a fair wage. Mm -hmm. Right? Like when you're speaking to someone in India over, you know, issues with an American-based company, that does tell you this American-based company is hiring out to avoid minimum wage in the United States. Right. It's right. kind of shitty. <laughs> it is kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you can do with all of it. What I do know is that I paid a lot of money for a modern garage door that does not look the way that I wanted. And I had to walk in and I felt very insecure being a middle-aged mm -hmm. white lady complaining about not getting the thing I paid for. Right. Yep. And it's weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Yep. Anyway, I don't know that that's really – I mean, I can't say that this is, like, actually affecting my mental health, but it's pissed me off <laughs> this month. Sure. And it sounds like – I mean, it I mean, <laughs> it, it sounds like it's adding that much more pressure. Like, yeah. I mean, we're – I mean, you already <laughs> have pressure. Yes. That's <laughs> Especially the Especially as a woman. That's how like, I feel. Right. Like, I don't have time for this. I literally spent one entire workday on the phone with Verizon. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. Like, like that one workday for me as a single mom of four very active teens, I'm going to be paying for that for weeks. Yep. Right. Of like late nights. And anyway. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. annoying. Oh, I don't gosh. know. Companies yep. just do better. Please. Yep. Don't, yep. don't make me be a Karen. I don't want to be one. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Oh How about you? Yeah. You know, my schedule has slowed down a little bit. And so I have more space to breathe than I have had in months. And nice. that has been wonderful. Yeah. So I would say my mental health check-in is there's a little bit more spaciousness right now. Good. And I am so thrilled with that. Like, I actually, I haven't had a free weekend in months. And this past weekend, I had a free weekend. I got to lay on my couch and watch stupid TV shows. Good. And, like, <laughs> it just was so nice. So I, I'm feeling that, that kind of rejuvenating. I mean, things are still, there's still a lot going on, but <laughs> less than was before. So yeah, that that feels really nice. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you feel like – I know sometimes when I've been really busy and then I finally get some freedom, there's a little bit of like a letdown anxiety. Do you experience that or, or are you just, nope, I'm good? <laughs> it depends. I yeah. think my anxiety sits in the place of then I start remembering all of the things that I also needed to do that didn't get done right. while I was really busy. <laughs> yeah. And like, oh – I should catch up on all of those things too. 
And, yeah. But then I'm like, but I also need to rest. And I think there's like anxiety tension that gets introduced there. Yeah. But I'm also pretty good at just being like, I'll do it later. Yeah. <laughs> I need my good. couch time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, what do you have for two thumbs up today? Okay. This might make people laugh, but <laughs> do, do you know do you know what liquid bluing is? <laughs> I do not, but you do not. all okay, that makes good. me think of I is <laughs> I think I just blew myself from Arrested Development. That's all I can think of. Yes, yes. Okay, so this is something I think my grandma used. Like, I think I remember my grandma talking about liquid bluing. But it's, I mean, it's literally like blue dye that you put in your washing machine with your whites to help keep your whites white. Oh, this is basically like hair toning for laundry basically yeah <laughs> right right yeah and i mean the whole theory is because you know like bleach when you're doing laundry especially on your whites yes. like bleach reacts with body um fluids yes. and turns white and can go yellow. yellow right yeah uh and so you know they say don't use bleach on whites use like oxyclean or whatever um but then liquid bluing also steps in and reverses that yellow. So, hey, I mean, what it does so is you... interesting. Yeah, you just put a tiny little bit in with your washing machine. And so I bought some. I heard about this or remembered my grandma talking about it because I have this fantasy. Like, I started using white sheets on my bed. Yes. <laughs> I have this fantasy that someday <laughs> someone will say, Matthias, how do you keep your white sheets so white? <laughs> Listen, this is a goal worth living for. Someday you will Some, be praised. Someday in the heat of the moment. And you can pull out your Mrs. Stewart's liquid bluing bottle and be like, it's thanks to Mrs. Stewart. <laughs> Let's talk about the picture of Mrs. Stewart on the front of this bottle. Yes. Could this, this can't possibly be the most flattering picture they could take of poor Mrs. Stewart. Surely not. <laughs> she looks like she has a mustache a little bit. Uh-huh. Yep. It's just, it's not a good photo. <laughs> no, no, it, it truly isn't. <laughs> I guess Mrs. Stewart had a good personality. She was, she was good at cleaning stuff, but somebody did not like her that put this photo <laughs> etching. It's more of an etching. It's a very old school label. I kinda, oh my gosh, it is. I kind of dig it. This is peak yeah. domestic content from you. Oh, 100%. I love and, it. Uh, I mean, all I have to say is it works. I bought it. I used it on my sheets. My sheets are beautiful. Um, so, And it also makes your black splacker. So, That's so interesting. Do you have white towels? I have like these beige towels that just look grungy no matter what. See, because I've been thinking about switching over to white because you can bleach, right? right. So then no matter what happens, you can always get it back. Right. Um, we have what, you know, we we exchange our home and sometimes we Airbnb our home. And so we have extra white towels and sheets for everything. Yeah. But we don't use those personally. Right. But it's the same. It's why hotels use white everything. Yeah. Because they yeah. just bleach everything. Right. Bleach, throw some bluing. Yeah, but go. I haven't I haven't moved to it personally. We still have, you know, whatever. Also, my kids have their own everyone has their own color of towel because oh. otherwise no one will take accountability for the yeah. towel on the floor. That makes sense. So That's I've literally smart. changed it. So I'm like, blue, Kembe, you left your towel on the floor. Blue. You know? <laughs> I'm that mom. <laughs> It's brilliant. <laughs> I know. Or they'll use each other's towels, which is also disgusting. So yep. everyone has a color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where we're at. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Okay. I would like to recommend a luggage company that is now at Target. It's called mm. Open Story. You know, Target does these collaborations with random companies. This luggage yeah. is adorable. It looks very much like the Away luggage, which I'm a fan mm-hmm. of. Do you have any yeah. Away luggage? I don't, but I've, you know, I mean, it's seen so it, wanted it. It's every every other person in the airport is carrying the exact same luggage. It's great, but it's very spendy. This is very yep. similar luggage. It's really cute. It's very minimalist looking. It's hard side, um, really cute colors, but it's like half the price. But what I also really like about this line is they have a bag, a weekender bag, which I have the away. I do have the away weekender bag. It's like $300. It's so expensive. But what I love about it is it, you know, it's a bag with a laptop sleeve, but it has that, it's called a trolley sleeve, which fits right over your luggage. So when you're in an airport, and you're pulling your luggage, you're pulling yes. the bag that's sitting on top of it without it moving. Does that make right. sense? Yep, yep. So, I, I see people do that in the airport all the time, and I'm like, I, I want that. <laughs> no, totally. I feel like whenever you see like a, an airline uh, – oh, my gosh, they're not called stewardesses anymore. What is wrong with me? Attendant. Is that yes. what they're called now? Attendant? A flight yeah. attendant. A flight, a flight attendant. attendant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Gosh. I'm old. This is like this is my life now. I can't remember words. Uh, what's the, what do they call the hairdresser these days? Um, anyway, the flight attendants. I always see them with the you know the bag with the trolley sleeve. Like yep. they've got it together. They're not like having their bag fall off or anyway. So the Open Story brand at Target has a weekender bag very similar to the Away bag. I would even say it's nearly a dupe, but it's eighty dollars. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you are in the market for luggage or want to gift luggage this holiday season, it's very cute. I've seen it in person at the store. It looks high quality. Um, And I'm actually getting these weekender bags for both my daughters because they always see me in the airport and they're lugging like backpacks. Yeah. And they're like, we want that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. so cute. I'm looking at it right now. Very cute and very cute colors. And the luggage is like 150 bucks. That's great. And they have a, bl- a like a champagne blush suitcase which I don't need but I'm really tempted to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely don't need it, but I did invest in a couple of these for my kids. Yeah, um fun. Yeah. All right, let's um listen to our what I want you to know for this week. This one mm-hmm. is from Beth McCormack and she is talking about her experiencing delivering a child with a congenital heart defect. I knew something was amiss when my family doctor entered the delivery room and asked if I would like for him to get the chaplain. Sure, I had just had a rough delivery 30 minutes prior, but my husband and firstborn had left earlier to go to the nursery for a bath. As I tried to process his request, my husband entered the room with tears streaming down his face, followed by a parade of doctors. That was the very moment, the exact moment, that everything in my life Everything about who I was or who I thought I was completely changed with no chance of going back. What I learned next was that my daughter was born with a congenital heart defect and was about to be transported to another hospital for open surgery. It was all so surreal. I was going to say goodbye to my brand new baby and my husband would accompany her. I had to stay behind to recover and I had no family in town and I was in shock. 
A rock of a girlfriend and my sister-in-law were the two saints who kept me together the next two days. My beautiful child had open heart surgery at just 21 hours old. Hers was an undetectable defect, and we were not remotely prepared for this as brand new parents. When I was released from the hospital, I was warned that the sight of her might be overwhelming. There are no words to describe how affected I was and shaken to the core when I approached her isolate. She had a large incision down the middle of her chest with three large drainage tubes protruding from her abdomen and what seemed like a million other wires and lines. Things progressed as well as they could, and 10 days after surgery, we were released to go home. We were exhausted and overwhelmed. I took her to get cutesy pictures taken at four weeks old, but I just couldn't bring myself to compose a birth announcement. Things were going great, but I just didn't want to jinx it. Odd, given the fact that I'm not the superstitious type. At six weeks old, when we went for post-op checkup, things changed. It was at that time we were dealt a second blow. She had coarctation of the aorta and would require a second surgery. At 10 weeks, she went under the knife again, and it felt like a roller coaster. We thought we were progressing only to face another setback. To cope, I started to remove myself from congenital heart defect support groups because I couldn't take all of the sad stories. It was too real and too close. I was obsessed that the other shoe would drop at any moment. My girl developed and progressed into a normal little girl, and for some reason, I remained superstitious. I never did create a birth announcement for her, and I guess I was afraid that putting something in ink would seal our fate. When you're going through trauma, rationale goes right out the window. When our beautiful girl was about three and a half, I gave birth to a healthy baby boy. I hired a professional photographer to come to our home when he was just a few days old. I hired a graphic artist to create a custom birth announcement that encapsulated our family vibe, and I proudly mailed them to everyone we knew. I had this feeling of guilt in my heart, though. My sweet girl was certainly announced to the world, but it was amid fear and confusion. A few years ago, she stumbled across her brother's birth announcement and asked why she didn't have one. She's read my account of her birth story and knows what we went through, so I feebly attempted to explain that I was too fearful to announce her birth in that way. She shrugged it off, but I still did not feel right about it. Long after that conversation, shortly before her 10th birthday, I came across the story of Latrell birth announcement in which a mom of an adopted teenage boy created a special announcement for him. I was inspired and realized it was not too late. I put my idea out to my network, and a local photographer volunteered to take pictures at no charge, and the same graphic artist who did my son's announcement offered to also do a complimentary announcement for us. For her 10th birthday, I could think of no better way to celebrate than announce her to the world, and so we did. She is now on the eve of her 17th birthday, and those tough times are long behind us, but she remains the single most transformational person in my life, and I'm so glad I found the courage through the inspiration of another special mom to announce my child to the world. Well, thank you, Beth, so much for sharing your story. If you guys are interested in sharing a what I want you to know story, um, you can check out our show notes and it will show you where you can go and record your own story that you feel like you wish people understood better. All right. Are we ready to talk about our listener question? Let's do it. Okay. This is the listener question verbatim. How much should you disclose about your teen years with your own teen? 
Yep. <laughs> and I assume they mean shenanigans. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, like, I don't know, Kristen. I always have a hard time with with all these questions about parenting because for me, it's just all, you know, it's theoretical. Yeah, I know, but you're a therapist. <laughs> sure, I'm sure you've sure. seen some folks in this situation. Totally. You know, I, the way, especially when talking about, I always think about this when talking about sex or yeah. like sexual activity, but I mean, I'm sure this could be across the board. Those places of like, I mean, you don't maybe have to share the juicy details. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important to model the reality of, like, uh, I, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> or I had fun. Or I did this thing that I don't particularly love that I did, but it was fun. Like, I, yeah. I think, like, that those places of, like, this is normal and human. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Instead of trying to place yourself on a pedestal and expect your teens to be on that pedestal too. I mean, that's just not reality-based in my mind. No, it's not. It's interesting. My views on this have changed. I think originally I kind of – I took the view of like, I'm not going to share anything. You mm -hmm. know, like they don't need to know anything. That's just going to give them permission. Right. Um, but I've really changed as my kids have gotten older. I have definitely talked with them about – you know, my drinking experiences, um, you know, drinking too much, throwing up at a party, mm. putting myself in vulnerable positions, because I want them to learn from that, you know, right. Right. and and the hope is like, don't do this, right? Like, I've, I've said to them, like, guys, when you get to a party, you're gonna have two drinks max, otherwise, mm. you're gonna be mm. stupid. And you're gonna be the person that no one wants to be around. Right, right. Um, and then, you know, with sex, I've been more vulnerable of just like, yeah, you know, when you have sex, it can, you can totally have sex goggles on. You can think you're more intimate with someone than you really are. You can stay in a relationship longer than you should. Mm -hmm. um, I think the caution I would give is not sharing your teen stories as like cool war stories. Yeah. Which I have seen parents do. You know, and I actually I, I had a client and I remember the teenager saying this to her dad, like, you don't want me to drink, but then you tell me all your fun drinking stories. Yeah, right. And that's a problem. Right. Yeah, I think that like, yeah, when, when the stories are disconnected from what you're trying to model. Yeah. <laughs> or that place of like, look at how amazing this was, but don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> In, like that. That feels so confusing, yeah. <laughs> so hard to navigate. Totally. But I think what you're talking about, that place of like, here's what my experience was. Here yeah. were the good things about it. Here were the bad things about it. That that kind of posturing or yeah, modeling what worked and what didn't, what you learned. That feels really important. Yeah. And I think it, you know, for me, it makes me closer with my kids. I mean, mm -hmm. I think they feel more trust in me as a person because I'm vulnerable and I'm sharing that I've been there, mm -hmm. you know, and I've, I have shared with them about, you know, relationship regrets and, um, you know, things I wish I had done differently. Um, and I think that helps. Yeah. I think it really does help, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, there's definitely stuff I've held back. Totally. Like I did some real dumb drugs in high school, real mm -hmm. dumb. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. 
I don't think I would probably tell them that. Sure. You know, like, (laughs) I don't think I would say, hey, I did huffing in high school and I turned out fine. Like, (laughs) I'm not going to mention that. Right, right. Yeah. Unless they listen to this episode, which I don't think. (laughs) I don't think they will. I don't think one of my children have listened to one single episode of Selfie, and I'm fine with that. (laughs) Perfectly fine. So if you know me in real life, please don't mention it to my children. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're finding out their Christmas gifts, too. So. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's so true. So true. Yeah. They don't care that. They, They, like... Me talking about life is so off-putting to them that they wouldn't even sit through an episode just to figure out their Christmas gifts. <laughs> That's how much they don't want to listen to me. Uh, I love Pontificating. it. I love it. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a good one that we should bring up in the selfie Facebook group. Mm-hmm. How much you are disclosing with your teens about your yeah. own teen years. Yeah, I'd be one. fascinated to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about active shooter drills. This one is heavy on my mind because, you know, we just did have a tragedy happen in Oxford. Um, Very sad situation where, you know, the parents were incredibly negligent with their own guns. Regardless of how you feel about guns, I would hope we can all agree guns should be stored safely. Mm -hmm. This was not. Um, We had a kid who, you know, very known to be having behavior problems, had posted photos of himself with his father's gun, then used the gun um, to shoot up at his school. But anyway, you know, my kids are in high school and they have these active shooter drills Mm. on a regular basis. They've kind of been enveloped into, you know, the, the tornado drill, the earthquake drill, the fire drill, and now the active shooter drill. And I'm curious, like, what do you think these active shooter drills are helping prepare kids should they be in that situation? And is that help does that help equal out the potential trauma of play acting an active shooter drill? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is such a hard one. Like because I don't know that there's a good, I don't know that there's a good hard yes or no on this Well, I one. mean, ideally, right. we just wouldn't be in this situation. 100%. <laughs> ideally, we live in a country that, you know, looks at ourselves yep. and says, we have something wrong here because this isn't happening elsewhere. And then right. looks at what's happening elsewhere and then tries to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. That would be the ideal situation. Yes. But alas. <laughs> Here we are, yeah, America. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I go back and forth on this one because, I mean, I think what you're saying about like the trauma of having to practice or kind of live through just even the imagination of this happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's horrifying. It, yeah. It's horrible. But I, I think I, I think I fall on the side of it's helpful in the sense of like this is the reality of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. If you go to school it might actually happen. Yeah. And so what will you do? And, you know, we know that our bodies learn through action. Yeah. (laughs) If we can learn some of what's, I mean, well, if we're in the middle of trauma, we go into fight, flight, freeze, we fall back on what we already know. And, And so that, like that act of practicing, what will you do if this happens? I, I think, you know, potentially increases the chance of, 
survival. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what you think. I think it's so hard. Does it increase the chance of survival? I'm not. I'm not sure. Sure. I think that anyone in an active shooter situation is is a sitting target. It, you, yeah, you're right, just screwed, right. really, mm-hmm. if you're in that yeah. situation. Um, and I think kids generally know at this point enough to, you know, we're going to turn the lights off. We're going to lock the door. There's a part of me, though, that feels that the acting out of it, right, the that, you know, the, and that my kids have this experience a few times a year of crouching in a dark classroom mm-hmm. and pretending like someone's going to shoot them. <sighs> you know, yeah, right. it's kind of, this, here's the way I conceptualize it. The, we have a massive, massive problem with mm-hmm. school shootings, but it is still a rare occurrence. Right. Mm. There is just as much likelihood, much more actually, that our children would be involved in a car crash. Right. Would we ever then therefore say this might happen to you? So we're going to play act what you're going to do. You know, we're going to pull the car over. We're on the side of the road. I'm dead. What do you do now? You know, Mm. I'm on fire. What do you do now? Like, I just think that there are some situations that we know are possible, but we don't go through them and i just i i think kids are getting traumatized in these shooter drills because they're imagining themselves in them right then i also worry about the kid who has mental health issues who's experiencing this and it being a trigger for kind of normalizing or Mm -hmm. even inspiring Right. So, you know, because it is normalizing, it's saying active shooter drills will happen and someone at this school can and will bring a gun. Right. And and then you have that vulnerable kid who goes, hmm, maybe it's me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a normal thing that happens and maybe I'll be the one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know either. Yes. It's so awful. It's so awful. Mm-hmm. My personal take right now is that I will keep my kids home if I know they're happening. Yeah. Um, because I think at this point, my kids know what to do. I don't think mm-hmm. there's benefit in repeating it. Sure. Um, and I think that there's potential harm in in repeating it. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Like, yeah. if nothing else, it does raise that raise that like base anxiety. That, yeah, that, that feeling of I am not safe. Yeah, here. never can be safe here. Totally, like, anything could happen at any moment. Which, like, I mean, is true. Yeah, <laughs> but like, there is something to be said for feeling safe in a place too. And I mean, yeah, I'll yeah. say this too: we had a kid at my kid's school bring a gun. A couple of weeks ago. Um, now, it came to be revealed it was not a real gun. It was a airsoft gun. Mm. Um, however, it looked very real. And it yeah. had – there was video of it, of course. Um, it had the t- the orange tip pulled off, so it looked just like a real gun. Right. And all of these kids have been through multiple active shooter situations, and all of them acted a hot mess. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, sure. they were all just a hot mess, scattershot everywhere. Yeah. Um, filming instead of, you know. Right. Filming right. instead of running. Like, 
Yeah. It was a whole mess. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was so distressing, but what was just equally distressing was watching how the students behaved. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So, Ugh. and no one, no one went and got an adult. Wow. Yeah. The school administration found out about it when it was shared on Instagram. Wow. Wow. So, there you go. <laughs> anyway i don't know i don't know either yeah Yeah. do i think that that shooter drills made that girl bring a gun to school no i don't think so i mean and thankfully you know like i said it was an airsoft gun um yeah but uh, yeah but still but still everyone who but i feel that everyone who was there in that situation was completely traumatized of course yeah totally yeah 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 yeah, anyway. and I, I mean, I think I see in your point of like, is the practice actually helping anything? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Is, right, right. I don't know. I would be curious. This would be another good one for us to discuss in this selfie group. Come yeah. and pop in and let us know what you think. Um, do we think we should be doing active shooter drills in school or do we think it's just traumatizing? thanks for listening just a heads up we're therapists but we're not your therapists this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and by making it we're not rendering psychological or other professional services if you need therapy we recommend you track down someone to help join us online for more of the conversation in our selfie community facebook group or on instagram at at selfie podcast 